those of you who are remaining, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. If you're joining us via live stream, please, 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 I mean, just real quickly. I hear people say, yeah, I'm watching on live stream, I'm li and I look, listen, listen, I look, I'm looking at the camera right now, I look to see who makes comments like it's a roll book for a Sunday morning, I mean, a, a school teacher. So if you say nothing, I'm going to assume you ain't coming. All right, so if you are on live stream, let us know that you are there. Let us know where you're worshiping this morning, uh, what, what city, what town, where, wherever you are. But just leave a comment. Just say, hey, I'm worshiping from Monticello, Kentucky, or wherever you are. All right, again, turning your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 40. Last week, we finished up our study on the events that took place in John chapter 11 when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. We looked closely at the events again and realized that there, there were some things that should have definitely, most definitely have happened, but they did not. Revival should have broken out in Bethany and every single person there should have accepted Jesus as their Messiah. Amen? I mean, they wanted evidence. Here it is. Man's been dead in the grave four years and he rises from I mean, Hey, that, that's enough. That's enough for me, Stan. Sign me up. Let's go. But that didn't happen. We, we also saw that Lazarus, Lazarus, the one who was raised from the dead, should have been preaching on every corner and then called to the temple in Jerusalem to be exhibit number one to Jesus being the Messiah. And a national revival should have taken place all over the Holy Land. But church, none of that happened. But God did use this time for his perfect will. <clears throat> Today we're going to look back in time to a, a time before Christmas, and then we're going to look forward to a time to come. We're going to look back, and then we're going to look forward. Now, usually, I, you know, sometimes I, I'll, I'll say, look, I want y'all to pay attention. I'm, I'm a, you know, I focus on y'all. I, I, I need to address my wife here for a second. Just be patient, because you're not going to like the first part of this, okay? This is personal. I mean, I got in trouble just... I, just yesterday, I got in trouble, Melissa, because of what I'm going to say at, at first. So just be, just, okay. Isaiah chapter 40. Thank you, Dan. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, our God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of servitude is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins let's pray father we come to you asking forgiveness for our sins and where we fail you we pray lord as we do come to you right now that lord you, you'll just give us a peace of mind you'd help us lord just settle our thoughts that we might retain what you'd have us to this morning god that we'll hear a word from you we'll feel your presence and know that you're with us lord in jesus name i do pray and all god's children said Amen. Now, I know some of y'all, <clears throat> as I read this, you're just like, hold on a second. Wait, whoa, Miss Virginia probably did. She said, that ain't, that ain't no Christmas. That's not Christmas scripture. It's Christ I mean, Christmas scripture is in Matthew and Luke. And I mean, uh, part of, you, know, you, you could even, use, I've heard pastors use the, the introduction to the book of John, but I've never in my life, this is, even Trinity's probably saying, you know, I, that, that's, that's, not, that's not Christmas scripture. Well, just hold on, be patient. You can't, can't he tell them? Tell, look, tell Cynthia to be patient. Thank you. 
Yeah, you ain't doing it? Okay. The title of this morning's message is The Excitement of Christmas. I had to look at my wife. The Excitement of Christmas. How many of y'all are truly and genuinely excited about Christmas? I know, Heather, you are. You got 72 Christmas trees set up at your house. I've seen, have y'all seen her Facebook page? I mean, I think it was, when, when did you put your first tree up? November 1st, I think she posted something like, this is, this is tree number one. And I'm thinking, we didn't even take tree number one out of the attic last year. <laughs> Golly. The excitement of Christmas. Now, first of all, I want to tell you what I remember of being excited about Christmas. I did, Tracy, I did used to get excited. I mean, I've seen y'all's house on Facebook too. Y'all got it decorated up. You all know that, that Christmas is not my favorite holiday. Now, it used to be one of my favorites, but somewhere along the years in my life, Christmas lost its excitement with me. I, I'm not really sure as to when the excitement left. It, it may have, have been all those tough years that we tried to, to give our children a good Christmas and still pay the bills on time. Can I get an amen? Can I get a testimony? Can I get a witness? It, it may have been when the gifts for the children started getting a, a, little, a little more and a little more and a little more expensive. Can I get a testimony this morning? Now, it could have very well been that I, I lost my excitement for Christmas when I became aware of what Christmas really was supposed to mean and then seeing what it had become. Does that bother y'all sometimes? Because we read in Scripture and we see what, it, what it's supposed to be and then we walk outside and it's, it's, it's totally different. It could have been that I, I lost a little excitement for Christmas when my baby sister died because she loved Christmas so very much. It, it, was, it was a joy to me just to watch her open a present. I mean, do you, do you remember that? Uh, she, she would open a present and just, whoa! She didn't even know what it was. She would just, but when she died, I guess a little part of Christmas died for me as well. Or, or it could be when the children moved away, I, my children moved away, and, and they don't really come home for Christmas to our house. We, we meet at Amy's house and my mother's house, but we don't meet at our house anymore. I really think Christmas lost a lot of its ex excitement with me is all of the traditions that I had growing up, that I held dear to me as a child, slowly and now permanently, have gone. They're gone. I mean, there's not even a way that we can say, hey, let's, let's, let, let's do this again, because we haven't done this in so many years. We, I mean, it, it's, none of it's possible. And, and I think that's a part of why Christmas has you know, lost its excitement. Now, I said what I said about Amy a few minutes ago. I, Alec, I, I try. I do. I, I really and truly, genuinely try. Around Thanksgiving and Christmas, as the days lead up to it, I find myself, I mean, I'm not like suicidal, depressed, but I, I, I'm depressed. Because, I mean, all those traditions, everything that we used to do as, as kids, it's, it's gone. It's gone. And she looks at me and she, she tolerates it for a while. But she tolerates it. You, you know what I'm talking about. And then she'll say, what is wrong with you? And, and, and Miss Virginia, I'll say, I, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I do know. The excitement's gone. And, and it bothers me that the excitement's gone because I, I want that excitement back again. I really do. 
Now, church, I do remember as a child, the first week after Thanksgiving, Heather, after Thanksgiving, the first week after Thanksgiving, my parents and us, we, we would go downstairs to, to our storage room on the back deck, and there was a storage room as you walk out the back door. The back door was right in the middle of the house, the storage room to the left, outside storage room. And in that storage room, there was a, a lot of stuff, but in, in the back, one of, there were two big, huge boxes. The first big box was our artificial Christmas tree. We only had real trees, I think, two times my whole life growing up at my house Two. Two. Just two. So we'd get the artificial tree, and there was a big box, and I remember it was, it was a, a box that our dishwasher came in that they saved. People back in those days, they saved everything. <coughs> and inside this box was all the decorations, everything from the stockings to the Christmas ornaments to the, the wreaths to the things that rolled down. I don't know how in the world that woman got all that stuff in that box. I still don't know. I'm not asking, Okay. Because it was duct taped all around the top, and you couldn't get in that box but once a year. You really couldn't. But we'd get those two boxes, and we'd go upstairs, and we would, we would put our Christmas tree up, and we'd take it outside, and we'd shake it to get all the dust off of it so we wouldn't die. And, and, and then we'd bring it in the house, and we would spray it. Sp I mean, just a whole can. Vicky, Vicky made a smart aleck comment. Yeah, hey, Vicky, about air freshener. Y'all remember that you could buy the pine scent? tree spray y'all remember that back in the 70s and you sp I mean you just sprayed the whole thing down just and the, the house was filled with what it should be filled with when you have a real tree okay <clears throat> then all day long we would we would decorate the tree and the house and we put our stockings up and my mom used to go all out she she really did and, and I, I told her this past when we, I spent some time with her Thanksgiving uh, and yeah, maybe y'all need to do this too. I really appreciate all that she did for us at Christmas. I mean, I, I don't remember a lot of the presents, but I remember just the house, the way the house was and the way it was decorated and the smells of, of Christmas time. Now, I do have to tell you that the past three years have had, I've had a somewhat renewed excitement around this time of year. And that has everything, everything to do with two little girls who call me Pop. When, when the little children are around, I mean, it's, it, and, and they're excited, it's, it's hard not, not to get excited. Now, we, we don't get to see them anywhere close to as much as we want to. And Christmas is a time when we know for sure that we're going to see them for sure. Now, I, I can tell you, as I thought about the excitement of Christmas in this message, I came to realize that most people, most people who have ever lived have at one time in their lives been excited about the coming of Christmas. Some may have had hopes and a gift that, that they, they were hoping was going to come. Some, some, like to, some like me may have been excited about seeing some loved ones that they rarely, rarely get to see. But th there are some people many, many years ago that were excited, very excited about Christmas. And listen, church, they did not even know that this day-to-day -day was called Christmas. But, Becky, they were excited, very excited. And nothing could take that excitement from them. Well, I know y'all are probably saying, man, Deborah, I know you're, you're sitting on the edge. Calm down, Deborah. Who were these people? 
Who were these people who were so excited? And they didn't even know it was Christmas, but they were excited. Church, they were the people of God. They were the people that God is speaking to through the prophet Isaiah in our scripture this morning. They were the chosen people of God. They were the Hebrew children of the Old Testament. They were the people that were started by a pagan by the name of Abraham. That They were a people who were separated by tribes with the son of Jacob. These are the very same people who were in the land of Egypt for 400 years as slaves since the days of Joseph. These are the same people who were rescued from Egypt by Moses, by the prompting of God that led them and led into the promised land by Joshua. Church, these people were God's holy chosen people. Now, why were they looking forward and excited about Christmas? Was it because, Butch, that you know, they wanted a new motorcycle for Christmas? Is that why they were, they were excited? I mean, they were genuine. It's not like, our, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just have to put on the face. You know what I'm talking about? Especially like the, the first year you married and you got to go over to the in-law's house. Or, or y'all, y'all have spent, y'all, y'all spent at least, you know, two or three days arguing about whose house you were going to first, how long you were going to stay, and how you were going to split the time. Boy, that's not fun. Jess over there, he said, yeah, I've been there. Been there before. Everybody has. I know somebody in my rally, my, my family right now. That I mean, it, it, it happens every year. But you put on a face. I mean, you, you might be sitting there arguing in the car, and you pull up, and you're like, "Oh my God! Hey, Merry Christmas! Good to see you. Play some music." You you put on a face. These people were not putting on a face. They were genuinely, genuinely excited. Now. We have to ask the question, why? Why? The real reason the chosen people of God were excited about Christmas had nothing to do with why we celebrate it today. Nothing. So so let that sink in. They were really excited, Matt, about Christmas, and it had nothing, nothing to do with why we celebrate it or why we get excited about it today. Church, they were excited about the coming of their Messiah. And they had great reason to be. They were excited about the coming of their Messiah. They didn't have a clue when he was going to come, but listen, they were excited about the coming of their Messiah. As the years drew on and on and on and on, so did their desperation. Excitement grew because only their Messiah could rescue them from the spiritual condition they themselves had brought themselves into as a nation. God had warned them through prophets, but the people as a whole would not listen. Because they would not listen, the people of God were led away into captivity, first first into Syria, Syria, and later they would be taken into Babylonian captivity. The people repented time and time again, and they waited for God to answer their prayers, yearning for the coming of their Messiah. Church, that is Christmas. That is Christmas. Having a hope among all hopes that God would do what he had promised to do 
Church, Christmas is hope for all. It is a hope. Now, you might be asking yourself or saying to yourself, you know, they deserve that. Then they did. Abby, they deserved what they got. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, <clears throat> you know, they, they were God's chosen people. God loved them, and he did. E even in captivity, he's not going to be too hard on them. He, he's, he's, not gonna, he's really not going to make he, He's, he, he's going to sustain them through all this. He, he, no, God was going to teach them a hard lesson. And you might be asking yourself this morning, how, how bad did they yearn for their Messiah? How, how, how strong was the longing? Now, children, I want y'all to pay attention. All y'all children, pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. Because God's chosen people were rebelling against him and denied him, he allowed them to go to, to these countries to come in and take them over. But listen to what God told them, how bad it was going to be. Let this sink in just for a little bit. In, your script, in, in, in the Bible, in Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 7, I'm going to start reading. <clears throat> Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. This is what God is telling Ezekiel, how bad it's going to be. You ready? Because you have been more insubordinate than the nations around you. The pagan nations around Israel, they weren't even as bad as Israel was being. The Hebrew children were worse than they are. Now listen, pay attention, wake up. Y'all need to listen to this. Because that you were more insubordinate than the nations around you, you have not walked in my statutes and kept my ordinances. You have not even kept the ordinances of the nations around you. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. See, I am against you, Jerusalem, and I will execute judgments within you in the sight of the nations. Because of all your abominations, I will do to you what I have never done before and what will never be done again. As a result, fathers will eat their sons within Jerusalem. Did you hear that? As a result, fathers will eat their, their sons within Jerusalem and sons will eat their fathers. I will execute judgments against you and scatter all of your survivors to every direction of the wind. Therefore, as I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. I am going to cut you off and show you no pity because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable practices and abominations. Yes, I will not spare you. I will not spare you. One-third of your people will die of, uh, by plague and be consumed by famine within you. One-third will fall by the sword all around you. And I will scatter one-third in every direction of the wind, and I will draw a sword to chase after them. When my anger is spent and I have vented my wrath on them, I will, I, I, will, I will be appeased. Then after I have spent my wrath on them, they, uh, they will know that I am the Lord, have spoken in my jealousy. I will take you to ruin and disgrace among the nations around you in the sight of everyone who passes by. So you, you will be a disgrace and a taunt a warning and a horror to all nations around you. 
When I execute judgments against you in anger, wrath, and furious rebukes, I, the Lord, have spoken. When I, sh when I shoot deadly arrows of famine at them, arrows of destruction that I will send to destroy you, inhabitants of Jerusalem, I will intensify the famine against you and cut off your supply of bread. I will send famine and danger, uh, dangerous animals against you. They will leave you childless, Jerusalem. Plague and bloodshed will sweep through you, and I will bring a sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Does this sound like God took it easy on him, Colin? Well, listen, what, what, I, I just spoke to a parent this past week. Kid was acting crazy and bad in the morning while they were trying to get ready. The, the child came in and, and had an iPad and the mother said something, the iPad wasn't working right and the kid threw the iPad at the mama. I don't know what happens in your house. I said, what did you do? He said, I lit that child up. Lit him up. My Winnie Kate got a bad spanking that morning. <laughs> God had warned them. God loved them, but he loved them so much. Listen, he said, that's enough. You crossed the line. You're going to pay. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Listen, you, you wonder how bad, Butch, how bad is it going to get in America because we've turned our backs on God. Did, I, did you hear that? Fathers were eating their sons and sons were eating their fathers. All bread was, was cut off. Famine had come in. You don't think God will bring that to America, church? When he put it on his own chosen people? Need I remind you, we are not seen in the book of Revelation. America's not there waving a flag. They had brought, them, brought it on themselves. Churches, we read this morning scripture in Isaiah. We need to understand. We need to understand that the people of God truly needed what God was speaking. They needed it. Listen to it again. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And announce to her that her time of servitude is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned. And she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. They needed to hear this this morning. Church Christmas is all about hope and comfort. And that, that, that only come from God. That only God can bring. In those years... Of Christmas past, the people of God clung to the hope that, that when God did send his son, their rightful Messiah, that they would have had the opportunity to experience comfort and hope like never before with the assurance of true salvation when believing in him and putting their faith in the Son of God. Hope and comfort are only found when man has peace with God. And the only way to find this peace is by accepting his free gift of salvation. That's the only way to have true peace and comfort. Now we looked at the past. Where are we today, Mr. Carey? Where, where are we today? Where are we? As we look forward 
look forward to Christmas futures. We're in an age known as the church age. We live in the church age. A time period that started at the resurrection of Christ and will end at the rapture of the church. Now it is a time, church, when we were children during this time that we were excited about Christmas. And then as the age, when age takes place and takes over us, we, we tend to lose our excitement. The, the, the loss of this excitement could, could or can be due to many reasons. But I can't help but wonder if the main reason we lose the luster in our eyes and the excitement is because we've lost the real meaning of Christmas. And we allow it to happen to ourselves. Church, what, what, what can we possibly do? What can we possibly do? Because I know I'm not alone. Listen, I know I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who, who has to, I have to shake the dust off inside, kick out the cobwebs, and, and make myself at times get excited about Christmas. But what can we do? Now, Amy came home this past week, and I think she came, yeah, she came home Friday, and the Christmas tree was down. The decorations were down. We didn't even put one up last year. She said, wow, you brought the tree down? A lot of it had to do with this, this study. What, what can we do to, to regain our excitement for Christmas as we look around this world and see so much sin, so many atrocities taking place, when we, when we see open rebellion and utter defiance to the word of God and to the holiness of God, we need to remember and take comfort, not in, in the coming Messiah church, but the soon coming of our Lord and Savior as he comes to rapture his bride, the church. That's what we need to get excited about. That, that is where our hope should come. And our comfort comes from knowing our salvation is complete and our faith and what Jesus did on the cross for us. Our song, well, our song today, our song today should be the same song that was sung many years ago, a little different though than what we hear today. The song that we should sing, and we should be ready, Michael, you ready? The song that we should sing is, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Not for the same difference, same reason years ago. Our Messiah has come. Our reason for, for, for singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, today is that Jesus would come and rapture us, his church. 2,200 years ago, the Hebrew children were crying out to their Messiah. As the Assyrians came in and they took him into captivity, as, they, as the Assyrians lined in battle formation to come and get him, the Israelites said, Lord, come. Messiah, come. Save us from this. Messiah, come. But he didn't come. As the Babylonians came years later and took the rest of them away, as they, as they invaded the Holy Land, as they lined up outside before they came in to destroy, the Israelites said, Lord, come. Messiah, come. Save us from this. But he didn't. But they kept praying that prayer. They intensified their prayer. The, the, the yearning, the desire for the Messiah to come 
intensified day after day as they faced atrocity after atrocity. Church, our Messiah has come. Our Messiah has come. But we should have the same yearning, but a different yearning in our hearts today. The same desire that Jesus would come. Lord Jesus, please come. Pleading, Jesus, please come. We see what's taking place in this land. Don't let anything else happen, God. Come now. That should excite us the way the Hebrew children were excited years ago. Are you excited about Christmas? The hope and the comfort that only Jesus can bring. Church, the the truth is, there are a lot of things that are still hanging in the balance in America today that we don't know the answers, and we, we might not know the answers for a long time. But only Jesus can give us true comfort and hope. Do you want to experience that type of Christmas? I do. Where's your hope? Where's your excitement? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Fathers, we stand before you right now. Lord, we pray that you do come and come quickly. That you would forgive us of our sins and where we fail you. Lord, that every person under the sound of our voice would have accepted you as their personal Savior with no reservations. And Lord, if if there's somebody under the sound of my voice, whether they're watching live stream or they're here in the auditorium this morning, who's never never accepted you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. All they have to do is confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in their heart that God, you raised Jesus from the dead. That's what Scripture says every person must do. But if you're still confused, I pray that you'll come down and take me by the hand and let me show you what Scripture says this morning. If you're watching live stream and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I pray that you would call the office tomorrow or call me today and I'll show you what the Bible says. God, help us to all fall on our knees before you and beg you to come because, Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, This is your time of invitation. If you need to come and just spend some time with the Lord, will you come? Will you come this morning and kneel before the holies of holy? Will you come?